0: Dot com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Well, I'm planning to wrap up my final comments from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today so that we can move on into chapter 13 on the broadcast tomorrow. You may recall that the last section of chapter 12 deals with Paul's defense of himself. He's actually been doing that in a longer, longer section than this. But Paul's defense of himself and his exposure of some of the failures and sins that were present in the Corinthian church. And he deals with those sins. You may recall a whole list of them in verse 20 and then some shorter list in verse 21. And he told them that they needed to deal with these sins and get them out of their lives, get them out of their church, lest when he came to visit them... You who I'm coming to visit you. I'm going to hold you accountable for what I'm telling you in this epistle. I'm not just going to write to you and say, you should do this, and then leave it up to you as to whether you actually follow through with it or not. I'm coming to visit. I'm putting you on notice. I'm coming to visit to make sure that you do this. I'm going to make you accountable for your obedience to what I have written to you, because what I have written to you... Is, is written as an apostle of Jesus Christ, with the authority of Christ behind it. What I have written to you is written as a portion of God's Word, His inspired scriptures, for here it is in our Bible, and holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, and here it is as a part of that. So, Paul says, this is not optional, Now, Paul had more authority in this regard than anybody does today. Apostles had more authority than anyone does today. But nevertheless, we need to press home the point that when God tells us something clearly from His Word, He expects us to do it, to obey it, to apply it, and we shouldn't be namby-pamby about that. We should be insisting that people obey the Word of the living God. And so we are applying some of the lessons out of this section, and we'll wrap that up on the broadcast today, Lord willing. Thank you for joining me on this Wednesday, November 29. And don't forget, we do need your financial help to keep teaching God's Word on this station. Well, I talked on the broadcast yesterday about the Christians' responsibility to uphold faithful ministers of the gospel, to support them, to defend them, as the Corinthian Christians were not doing for the Apostle Paul, as they should have been. Someone would say, well, I'd do that if it were an apostle. Yeah, it's easy enough to say that, (laughs) isn't it? But the Corinthians didn't. What makes you think you would if they didn't, and if you're not upholding men who are faithful to apostolic doctrine, who are faithful to the Word of God, who are faithful to preach the whole counsel of God, then you wouldn't be faithful to an apostle of Jesus Christ. Don't kid yourself. We could sure kid ourselves about what we would do if what I would have done, if I had been there, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have uh, denied Christ like Peter did if I had been there. No, 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 not me. Uh, Be careful with that kind of talk. Take this seriously. And so we talked on the broadcast yesterday about the responsibility of every Christian to uphold and defend faithful ministers of the gospel. But now that leads us to this question, who exactly should we support and defend? Sometimes it's not easy to tell because there are a lot of people claiming to be ministers of the gospel, who really are not, and some of them fail badly. And we are all grieved by some of the serious failures of very prominent men. Several names are flitting through my mind right now. Men that had, had very, very um, impactful ministries that were known and, and had been helped a help to many, many people who are no longer in the ministry because of their failure. I'm thinking of one man that I used to listen to on the radio occasionally. It's not that I would make it a point to listen to him every time he came on, but I I loved to hear him. If I happened to be in the automobile when he was on the radio, I would definitely listen to him. He was worth listening to. And I thrilled with his ministry. I appreciated what his doctor and I appreciated his way his uh, skillful way of communicating the word of God his way of making it uh, so clear to contemporary Americans today his way of illustrating the word of God so powerfully and then what a shock it was when it was revealed that he had been involved in immoral relationships for years and years and years and years he'd had a way of covering it up and it hadn't been hadn't been known it wasn't discovered he was actually doing it uh, not in america but but uh in another country where he had some we might say missionary activity going on and he would travel there where he was out of sight and was involved in these things and finally it came to light this was not a a one-time stumble he didn't fall, stumble into one adulterous relationship like David did in the Old Testament with Bathsheba and mourned and repented and acknowledged his sin as we know and that's the evidence of God's spirit within David. Not that he he wasn't perfect and not, he he sinned grievously. It wasn't David's perfect life that showed that he was a true child of God. It wasn't his protection from committing a sin like like adultery and murder, believe it or not, and yet still was a child of God. But his attitude afterwards is what reveals the true condition of his heart. Oh, yes, his heart had had drifted, or he wouldn't have fallen into those sins, but he was a true child of God. Read Psalm 51. There are probably four penitential psalms in the Bible. Uh, Psalm 51, probably the best-known one. But read David's mournful attitude, his repentance, his his acknowledgement of his sin, his public acknowledgement of his sin, and you will understand the evidence of his true conversion. Was there anything like that with this man that I'm referring to now? I'm not aware of it, if there was. In fact, here's the problem, as I'm thinking of the details a little more clearly, it really didn't come to light until he suddenly died. And then all these things started coming out. He was gone. There there was no opportunity for him to make things right now, but oh, what a blow. Oh, what a blow. And that's just one example. So who do we support? Who do we defend when we see things like this going on? Well, there's no way to be absolutely sure. Failures like that happen on the national level and the international level and men that we've listened to on radio and we see from afar and admire and appreciate and sometimes support but and and then and then it also happens on the local level i can I could probably if I would take a few minutes to think about it, I could probably count a number of men here in alamance county who I mean, alamance county north carolina in in the place where I minister that have fallen in a similar way. I could probably count up maybe maybe on the ten fingers of my hands as many as that many, as many as those who have fallen in a similar way in this area, and that too is very grievous to be sure. What a oh, what a shame, what a what a blow to the cause of Christ. What a what a blow to people. But when people when people get completely flipped out, so to speak, about something like that, well that that does it for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with church. Look what that preacher did. Look, look what that pastor did. You know what? You're just showing that you were a man follower, not a Christ follower. You were worshiping a man, so to speak, but you certainly were not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. True Christians are terribly grieved, but they just cling all the tighter to Christ. Men and women fail, but Christ has never failed. But back to this idea, who should you support and defend, I would suggest that you better reserve the biggest part of your support to those that you do really know personally, not people that you feel like you know through media, but you really don't. You don't know what their marriage is like. You don't know what their home life is like. You don't know what's going on. You don't see that. You just see them on television or hear them on radio. You hear it like you're hearing me now but you need to throw your support to those who live and minister among you whose lives you do know whose marriages you do observe whose children you can see how they are how they are responding to the life of this person that has a public persona but also has a home life and how, how real, how genuine is he? Is he just playing a part in public and he's something else in private? Or is there evidence that he has a truly Christ-centered home? And you see that in his marriage and you see that in his children. You should concentrate on those who are accountable to you as a minister is accountable to you in, in some way, not not quite in the same way that um, maybe some people think that ministers ought to be accountable to them. But there there is a sense in which a minister is accountable to his whole church. And those are the kinds of people that you need to be supporting most vigorously, that is, local church pastors who are faithful and true to the Word of God. Now, one last thing that I just have a couple of minutes for, and that's how to evaluate contemporary claims to signs and wonders. Paul said in this section, truly the signs of an apostle were done among you. So, when you see someone doing or claiming to do signs and wonders like an apostle, does that... Evidence that they're an apostle or that they're like an apostle, that they're a true messenger of God? No, because a careful study of Scripture will make it clear that apostles don't continue. When they were gone, they weren't replaced. There are no apostles today. The signs of an apostle were the the miracles that were done by apostles And we shouldn't be expecting those miracles to be done today because there aren't any apostles today. You understand? I'm not going back to over all of that. But what you really need to be looking for, not for the the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the claims. Oh, how spectacular and how people love to be swept away by those. But you need to be examining very, very, very carefully what they teach, their doctrine, as well as their life their marriages, their homes, to see if that squares with the Word of God. That's how you tell. And those who are faithful men of God, not perfect, not sinless, but faithful men of God, pray for them, love them, encourage them, support them, and defend them. They're valuable to you, to your family, to your community, to the cause of Christ. Tomorrow we'll move into chapter 13. Until then, good day. May God give you his eternal peace.